This is the Ezra Podcast. Slow week, which should have been a really busy week for fighting. We should have been Tyson Fury versus Dante Wilder, the rematch that Boxing Twitter has been waiting for. Like, Boxing Twitter... Boxing Twitter is just on the verge of, like, any time there's a movie, right, and there's, like, you know, you know it's going to end ugly. That's what Boxing Twitter is at. It's just been building for that to this moment. Um, and then it doesn't happen. I'm just like, I don't know if we can handle that kind of uh, animosity for, like, another two to three more months. I really don't. But fight's not happening this weekend. What is happening is we got a UFC we have a heavyweight fight that's going to go under the radar. Probably still goes under the radar, but I think it's very interesting. And uh, we got some news. We got so a lot of news was broken this week. Let's just get to that. I don't usually hit that on this podcast, but I think if there's a week to do it, this is, the, this is one of the weeks. And I've done it before, so let's just do it to this week. We got De La Hoya versus Vitor Balfour. And they're talking about that being a professional fight. Now, I promise you, Delahoy had no goal, no idea, no uh, thought, no uh, goal. You know, he had no goal for this to be a professional fight. He just did not. He wanted this to be an exhibition just in case it went south. No decision was ever read. But now that it's a pro fight, and why is it a pro fight? It's because Triller's in trouble. And Triller knows it's a harder sell. And it means a lot more if it's a professional fight. And I know that Triller wants to pull the plug probably all these things but since they cannot it's just going to make the terms that these guys agree to a little crazier so hopefully they pull out um so delhoy's not going to pass up on that payday so he's gonna accept this fight at 180 pounds professional fight against vitor balfour who's a man that's fought all the way at heavyweight even though it's mma um and vitor balfour's gonna win this fight i'm the, I'm the one calling it i've been calling it for a while this isn't new this isn't news that I, I thought he would win at least the pop, you know, the in people's eyes and the fans' eyes because it wasn't going to be a decision read. But now he's just going to win in a legit pro fight against Delahoy at 180 pounds. Delahoy is not a 180 pound man. He's just old. Vitor Balfour's old too, but he's going to get into excellent shape to get to 180 pounds. And he's got a little bit more left in the tank, I believe, than Delahoy. Delahoy's going to lose this fight. And this is how legacies end, and it would all make sense, right? Wouldn't it all make sense for Delahoy's legacy to end like this? The people with hectic lives, right, and hectic lifestyles, they don't usually end good, right? It's not like in a movie, the guy hectic lifestyle, he turns it around, and he marries a girl, and he uh, stops going to parties, everything like that. But in movies, it's not like that. You know what I mean? In real life, it's not like that. I like the movies. It, it just spirals down quick. And that's what Delahoy is going to end up doing. No matter how in shape he looks or wherever he looks, he's not going to have what it takes to be in there. And he's going to tire out. And he's going to maybe look sharp early, but he will tire out. And Vitor Buffers will be too big. And Vitor Buffers is going to be too aggressive. And he's just going to win on points. And Delahoy is going to look old in there. He's going to look slow. His reaction is not going to be what he wants it to be. His legs aren't going to be what he wants it to be. It's going to be a lot of holding. And Vitor Buffers is just going to out rough him in the inside i really believe that now the speaking of triller they have teofimo lopez versus cambosos and they want to move that fight to australia where that would um cambosos where he's from where they feel like they could sell out an arena get more attention for it and teofimo doesn't want to do this but once again same thing it's a big payday the teofimo is guaranteed now for trillers there's no negative to this if he pulls out and if he continues to go with it, then they sell more tickets. It's a big fight in Australia. Make They have a chance to make more money because I'm not sure how good this pay-per-view is going to do. I doubt it does 
good at all, honestly. I think it was the wrong fighter and fight to really jump at with all your money. But they know that Teal really can't pull out of this fight because Teal's going to lose a massive payday. And Teal's not going to get payday like this for the level of opponent he's fighting for a long time. And I think Triller, Triller knows this. Triller, they're, they're, they're pushing all their chips in and saying, like, either you fold your cards or you're going all in with us in Australia. I don't believe that there's going to be any other resolution besides either Tifimo pulls out, which they're already talking about, which surprises me, or he goes in Australia and he's going to fight Kembosos, where he feels like the judges might be against him, where Pacquiao's been screwed before. Um, to me, I feel like if this fight does actually happen, for Kembosos to win a decision against Tiofimo would have to be just blatant, blatant tomfoolery. It would just have to be. Because it's just no way that in a fight that goes a full distance, that Kembos is going to get more points out than Tiafimo. And he's going to win rounds against Tiafimo. It's just not. He's just not nowhere near the level of a fighter that Tiafimo is. But we're going to see how that plays out. Then we had Canelo uh, getting ready to sign a one-fight deal with the PBC to fight Caleb Plant. And I was just laugh, still laughing at people thinking that he should have uh, signed a three-fight deal with the PBC. That Canelo, the biggest star in boxing, was going to get controlled by another promotion. That wasn't going to happen. The fight with Plant is, you know, Plant's a, a more known opponent in the States than the last few fighters that Canelo has fought. Um, he, I would say he's better than the last three guys that Canelo's fought, but I don't say he, I wouldn't say he's, you know, um, he's not outlapping these guys. He's better than them, but he's not lapping them. I expect Canelo to win this fight. I expect Canelo to be a pretty decent sized favorite. But this is all, you know, for the year that the Canelo's putting together, right? Especially if he fights Plant. And if he fights one more time this year, not only he's the biggest star in boxing, there's no question in that. Um, and now with Connor maybe out of the out the game, he, he probably might be the biggest star in fighting. But he's also putting in this year resume to be the fighter of the year. To actually be doing significant fights. And not just doing money grabs, which is pretty popular now. He's doing very significant fights. And yes, is he the favorite to these guys? Do these guys expect to beat him? No. But when you're the best in the world, that's what happens. When Dyson was the best in the world, no one expected to beat him. When Lennox was the best in the world, no one was expected to beat him. When Mayweather fought, no one was expected to beat him. You, you hoped, you created things in your head that maybe this would be a competitive fight, but they were never you know, expected to be beat. And I know we, people were clamoring for Caleb Plant, but now that it's actually might happen and people are looking at it closely, that no one's being able really to make the case that Caleb Plant can beat Canelo. But that's not a knock on the opponent or anything. It's just how good Canelo really is. And my last news of the day, we got Joshua versus Usyk, which is signed. And I know no one's giving Usyk a chance, but this his talent is very, very good. And he's really, he, he approved for his first heavyweight fight to a second heavyweight fight. There was an improvement. Now, Chisora, did he give Chisora give him some problems? Yes, but Chisora had the, uh, has a size advantage on a lot of guys, especially Usyk. And with Chisora's style, that size advantage kind of like really plays in. And I thought, you know, as 
much as I was a little worried for Usic, like, size in, in that fight, and the, the shots he was kind of taking, they like, oh, man, one might put him out. He handled it, and he got, he got he looked better than the first heavyweight fight he had. And we know that he's a talented guy, and we know that, you know, he's a borderline pound-for-pound guy. We know he has all this, all this skill. It's, I, I, for a fight that's, you know, maybe not considered that huge, right? I think every fight with Joshua is huge, but it's not a Fury level. It's not a Wilder level. It's a tough fight. It is. It's a tough fight. And I think that, honestly, Joshua's style, because he's a little more patient, he's not wild, he's more into the fundamentals, the techniques of his fighting tech, uh, fighting style is more, you know, to the basics. I think that favor, I think that helps Usage in this type of fight. I think when you fight a bigger man, you, I know, I think the wildness of Chisora or the looping shots or the awkward shots is almost tougher. I'm not saying that this is an easier fight for him. It's not. I'm not saying that. He, he should be a big underdog in this fight. But I'm saying that we count him out like completely just because Chisora fight was a little tougher. You know, the, the matchups of it, that one kind of makes sense that it was tough. He's a big giant man that punches awkward and weird, and he and Usage had to be on top of his game. But he won clearly. And I expect him to do some good things in this fight. Now, do I expect him to win? I have to break it down before I, you know, get into that. Right now, just off the top of my head, I expect Joshua to win. Because the one shot that Joshua can land can end the night. I don't think Usage has that is not gonna have that kind of power. So he's gonna have to be walk a tightrope the whole time. And I don't believe his usually when someone does that against a guy that's above him, he like Roy Jones versus Ruiz, he's way more skilled than the guy. I don't believe he's way more skilled than than Joshua. Now, I think he might have more skill than Joshua, but I don't think he's way more skilled than him. I think Joshua is behind Usage on skill level, skill wise, on the ability wise, but just slightly. You know what I mean? Not, not he's not lapping him. Like I say, he's not lapping him. And I would think he would need to lap him to you know he'd be close to lapping him at least to pull this fight out to walk the tightrope. Now let's get to this week's fights. I got a new thing to take notes. It's, it's my, you know, it's, it's going to get a little tricky. It definitely is going to get a little tricky. Okay, this guy, I think I always go off the biggest fight, start the biggest fight of the week, and it's TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. Now Dillashaw coming off of uh, suspension for PED, steroids, um, two-year suspension. Uh, before that, had just got stopped by... Henry Cejudo. And Dillashaw at that moment when he was, it was all taken away from him. He was a 135 pound champ. He was going for 125. He lost that, but he was still a 135 pound champ. Now, Corey Sanhagen was injured for a while. Took a little ways to get up to the UFC. Now he's here. He's considered, you know, a top contender for the title. And uh, Dillashaw is trying to leapfrog his way back into title contention. And he has the name. He's got the rep. But does he still have the ability? Is he still one of the top guys in fighting? To me, I have my doubts. And from even when I look at him and when I break down this fighting, the fight, the fight, his fighting technique and style, it, I, I see why it was effective then, right? But because MMA is growing every year, right? It's at a growing at a rapid rate. Technique, uh, styles, abilities, it's all growing. The two years that went Dillashaw was in the MMA to now, it's a completely different game. And I think that's what he's going to see the most here. He's going to see that some of the stuff he did, the innovative stuff, 
is still here, but people are doing it better than what even he imagined or could even do, imagine, or the thought process. It's sharper. It's cleaner. It's not so wasted movement. Now, Dillashaw does a lot of things, but he does a lot of wasted movement. He does a lot of things that's kind of nonsense, and I think that when it first when he first started doing it, 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 it was confusion there. It took a little time to adapt, but I think the guys adapt to it. And I think Corey Hagen is kind of doing a better style, the same style that Dillashaw is doing, just better. He's more efficient. Not a lot of excess movement. More straight pinpoint shots. And I think that Dillashaw is going to come in, and after two years, especially the style that his style that kind of like demands being in the rhythm of it. I think he's going to come out cold. He's going to have a hard time adjusting to that. I think Sahig is going to be more sharper, more pinpoint, more matter of fact with the style. And I think Dillashaw is going to fall behind early. And another point to bring up on this is they used to be sparring partners. And there's rumors on who got the better of it. A lot of people saying Sanhagen got the better of it. But Dillashaw saying he took this fight because he knows what Sanhagen brings and he knows he's better than him. We're going to find that out early. We're going to find that out very, very, very early in this fight. Because I think that one of them, and I, I, I'm i saying, like, let's say, okay, let's say Sanhagen, maybe he, it was competitive when they sparred. But Sanhagen feels like he's a much better fighter now. So he might not have to change his style too much. Because he feels in his mind that the, the style he had then, he's much better at it today. But now, Dillashaw coming back if he was not getting the better of it back then he's going to change his style completely he's going to do something that he's not used to doing when i imagine he's going to look for a takedown he's going to look to get sanhagen down because knowing the sanhagen loss to Algernon sterling and he gave up his back i think dillashaw is going to try to bring something in which dillashaw is kind of like a creative fighter kind of like to bring stuff improve Add elements to his game. I expect that he might look for a takedown in this fight. Might look to put the pressure. Because if he does, because I imagine that when they go early, he's going to lose the stand-up fight. And then he's going to look for takedowns. And I just believe that he just will be a step slow, a step behind. And he's going to get out of, you know, what he does best to me in a fight is mixing up the stand-up and kind of go to a takedown. And I'm not saying Dillshaw can't wrestle because he can. But I just think when he gets to like that, it's like almost like... Almost like he knows that Sanhagen is better than him. Almost like he knows that he, he's seen this before. Almost like he knows that this has happened before. Another thing I, I noticed when I broke down both these guys' style, and it's both the weakness I feel like they both have, is that pressure does help uh, help their style fall apart. Because their, their style has a lot of switching in it, a lot of feints, when they're going backwards, it, they don't have the time to do any of that. And Dillashaw becomes a lot less effective going backwards. Now, say he can, because I feel like he can go more to a basic style and he doesn't really need the switch and he could kind of just box or kickbox uh, without switching, without the, you know, the crazy kicks or feints or, you know, trying to confuse you. He could kind of come fall back on that basic, just like a basic technique, fundamental style. I feel like he's more effective, but I do notice that he kind of falls apart too a little bit going backwards. The range of this early, I imagine a lot of kicks because both these guys are going to go a lot of leg kicks, body kicks. Sanhagen is uh, 
Sanhig is very uh, long, very tall, so I expect his punches to be more effective than Dillashaw in at the farther range. When it, when it gets inside, Dillashaw kind of falls apart. Uh, on the inside, like Dillashaw's defense is, it's a lot of like, uh, what is it called? Um, it's like smoke and mirrors. Dillashaw's defense. It's more like keep you confused on what's coming more than like he's truly in the position to block what you have coming. And I just believe that. And also when he comes in, it kind of like falls apart. Like he kind of gets wild when he gets on the inside. And I just think San Hagen's shots are going to get there first. I expect San Hagen to dominate this fight. I expected to go to the scorecards and I'm going to take San Hagen. I'm really confident in him. That's going to come up later in my fake money, real bets. But I'm going to take San Hagen in this fight. And it's, it's, it's a good fight. It is. It's a good matchup. It's an interesting matchup. You kind of want to know what Dillashaw has left. And if he comes in here and even looks better and use those two years to really improve, which Dillashaw's kind of got to do that. You know what I mean? He's kind of got to just commit to the gym and just add a bunch of weapons to his game. We're going to see that. But I just feel like everything, two years missing, uh, off the PEDs, a style that was... At one time was new, but I think that a lot of people could kind of mimic what he did and kind of got rid of a lot of the stuff that he was still using. I just feel like this is, a, you know, for uh, a formula for disaster for him. I really do. And maybe should have took a you know lesser opponent, but Dillashaw's a real, um, he's a competitive guy and he feels like he's one of the best guys and I he does have the confidence, but I just feel like this is a little bit too much, a little bit too much for him to handle. Let's go on the undercard of that fight. Okay, we got Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chison. I hope I'm saying that right. And Aspen Ladd, um, a prospect, uh, up-and-coming, you know, future contender. And Macy Chazon, a uh, Ultimate Fighter winner, you know, both of them are looking to get into that contender spot in fighting, and they, they both have a loss on the only one loss on the record. They're both, you know, kind of thought highly of. I think Aspen Ladd's probably the bigger prospect, the you know, the more well known prospect, maybe the more hyped up prospect. But I think this is a tough fight for her. I think uh, Macy Chazon, I, although kind of stiff herself in stand up. I just feel like her height and reach is going to be a very huge advantage, especially the way Aspen Ladd likes to get in aggressive, but she's kind of stiff, open for shots. And I just feel like Macy Chazon's shots coming from up top are just going to pierce right through, especially when Aspen Ladd tries to flurry and she stomps in. I just think Macy's going to be way more effective. And she has a strong straight left. And I think that if Aspen Ladd starts walking into that, she's going to be in trouble early. I expect that to happen. I expect Aspen to start looking for a clinch. I expect Chazon to be really effective in the clinch because she's very effective with her knees. In the clinch, she's uh, very strong, very has some good pop to her. And I, I expect I expect this fight to see all three parts. I expect Chazon to dominate the stand-up, get to a clinch, dominate that portion. And then when it gets to the ground, that's where it's going to get interesting. Now, Chazon, pretty good on the ground, long, able to use her long body, long limbs. But Aspen's very good on the ground. And I think that when she gets on top, she's very heavy. She's very dominant. She has very good control. She's very quick to grab like a wrist control. She's very good at getting in the correct position to put you at all the disadvantages. 
And I believe that's where this fight is going to get competitive. I believe everywhere else in this fight is not that competitive. But on the ground, it is very competitive. I just think the Aspen is going to take too much damage in the first part of the fight to get to that position to get to the ground. And by the time she gets there, it'll be a little bit too late, a little bit too much damage. I expect Giselle to get a stoppage in this fight around the second round. And I think she's an interesting prospect, especially just because of the attributes she brings, the height, the reach, the control. These are two very calm fighters. Like, I don't expect, you know, um, I don't expect uh, any moments to really have them fall apart. I just expect the damage to be done too much to Aspen Lad. I think this will be uh, Macy's biggest win. I think it's going to get people talking about her. It's at a good spot for her. Like I said, because the Tyson Fury fight's canceled, this, this fight's going to get a lot more eyes, I believe so. And this is this a, a good opportunity for both these fighters to really put their name in the top 10 in contending for, you know, uh, putting their name right there as a future, maybe of the weight division, future contender for the title shot. Now let's get to the boxing card we have this weekend. We have Joe Joyce versus Carlos Takam. Now Takam is a he's a journeyman. He's a gatekeeper of some sorts. He's got he's a stay busy fight. He's uh he's all those cliche things in boxing of a guy that's never gonna compete for a title unless it's the Bridgerweight title. He's never gonna you know be a top five top 10 type of guy he just isn't he's just not that he doesn't have that skill doesn't have that ability but he's tough he's uh an expert survival he's expert at surviving he's expert at getting rounds he's expert at you know he's kind of just an expert at just staying kind of there in that spot where like if a heavyweight needs a fight you call to come if a prospect needs to see what he's got you call you call to come and he's gotten some paydays out of it but he's fighting Joe Joyce. And I think Joe Joyce is one of the most underrated heavyweights in boxing. He reminds you a lot of Fury, especially when Fury beat Klitschko. And Fury beats Klitschko by decision. Now, it's a boring fight in people's mind. It's not, uh, there wasn't a lot of highlights. It was just a chess match in which Fury won, right? Against Klitschko, which was, Klitschko is really at its best at, right? It's a fight that's slow paced, one shot at a time, a lot of jabs at range. And Fury got the best of it. And just because the fight was so bad and really people, you know, were kind of down at the heavyweight division at that point, we kind of just, they just kind of brushed Tyson Fury under the rug. And I never understood it because I was just like, well, this guy beat Klitschko at his own game. And Klitschko was the best in the world. It's like, why isn't this guy considered the best in the world now? Why are we not talking about this guy? Why is he never brought up? And I feel like Joe Joyce, now he doesn't have a win as good as Klitschko, but he did beat Dubois, who was considered, you know, a top prospect and the heavyweight ready Looked like he was getting ready to uh, compete for a title soon. And Joe Joyce just tears him apart with the jab and takes his best shots and shows a little more things than people. I think people have thought of it that he could show. I don't think he was a high pick. I don't think he was picked by a lot of people in that fight. I know I picked him because I, I thought I saw the things that he could do. And I said, now maybe it doesn't. It's not on a highlight reel. It's not going to stand out, right? If you put a highlight reel of Joe Joyce, it's not going to be the most you know, impressive, uh, ah moments, jaw-dropping moments. It's not going to have that. But if you put the whole pack together, what he is, he's a problem. Joe Joyce is long. He's tall. He's strong. He has a 
hard jab, like a strongest jab in the division, without a doubt. He has the strongest jab in the division. It doesn't take much for him to put it on out, so it doesn't waste a lot of energy, but he's kind of consistent with his work rate. He's kind of uh, better better at moving than, you know, than what you would assume, what people uh, make of it. It's not, it's, you know, people, no one's talking about Joe Joyce's footwork, but he has some. He does have some footwork. It's slow. It's a little bit lumbering, but there's some footwork there. There's some technique. There's little slight defensive moves that he makes that, you know, he gets hit, but there's sometimes he, he's moving out of shots and he's making you work. And especially if he's pushing forward and you're just kind of like hitting him with everything you got because he has one of the best chins of boxing. He's, his shots are slow but heavy. He's he's kind of honestly reminds you of the old George Foreman. When George Foreman came came back in his 40s, he reminds you of George Foreman. He kind of has George Foreman style with a little more legs. And honestly, that George Foreman gave a lot of problems to Vander, beat Michael Moore, beat some guys, lost some fights, but beat some guys. But he never had legs. Now imagine that George Foreman could move around a little bit, had little little something to his legs. And I was hearing the Sunday Puncher and Angelo was saying, you know, that he might have missed it, right? Because he's about 36 years old. They might just be too old and he's going to miss his shot at what he possibly could have been. And I don't agree with that because the two things that he has don't really go away. At least not due to age. And that's his chin and his power. He's not the fastest man in the world. I don't believe that he's going to get you know much slower than what he is right now. Now, his leg movement is not explosive. The Why his leg movement works is just because he just kind of moves discipline. He kind of has the fundamentals of like, this leg leads this way, this leg leads this way. And it's consistent. It's, it doesn't take much time to think. He's just doing it. So I believe that his chin is one of his best qualities is that he he does have little defensive moves but he's gonna take some shots on the chin that's the way it is he's gonna take shots on the chin but he he walks through big shots dan dubois hits hard and he walked through them like nothing like there was nothing affecting him at all and his shots start to add up and his jab just broke his face apart so i think joe joyce is a problem and i don't expect him to go away soon and i think that the person that beats him is gonna have to be pretty damn good Carlos Takam is not pretty damn good. <laughs> Charles, and that's Atticus. And Atticus had to make an appearance. He couldn't just let me get to this podcast without saying, like, I'm going to raise hell. No, that's not him. He's like, no, I want to make an appearance. I'm going to I'm going to win a podcast award one day. And I'm going to get Atticus one. And just because he made a noise on the podcast. So it's going to be featuring Atticus. Just like Jay-Z did with his kid. I'm really going to do that. But Charles Tukam, like I said, is not bringing anything. Really, He, his style is just perfect for Joe Joyce to go 12 rounds. Now, that would think if you want something or no a reason for you to watch, well, it's everything I said about Joe Joyce on what he could be, right? That's why I would say watch. But if you if there's a storyline you want to see, it's can Joe Joyce get Carlos Tukam out of there? I have my doubts because Tukam's a pretty good survivor. He likes staying on the outside. And I think Joe Joyce is going to keep him away with the jab. He's going to win the fight with his jab. I think his fight's going to go to decision. I think Joe Joyce is just going to jab away at him, pick him apart, chop him down. And Takam's going to be okay with just taking the decision surviving this fight. I really I really believe that. Now, if Joe Joyce does something else where he's really puts it on Takam, then that's only to get more excited. But don't let this fight discourage you on what Joe Joyce is. Because I think 
a lot of people are going to be like, well, that was a boring 12-round fight. Joe Joyce is limited. All those things. I'm already telling you that's probably what's going to happen. I'm already telling you that don't let that deter you from saying Joe Joyce is a problem for any of the top heavyweights. What's the counter for Takam? I don't really believe there is one. I don't believe there is one. And I usually could come up with something. I don't believe there's a counter for Takam. I think Takam loses this fight. I don't think there's any way he wins it. Now, could he get on the inside and outwork Joyce? I don't think so. Because I don't think Joyce has a bad work rate. Like, I think Joe Joyce's work rate's all right. It's kind of slow, lumbering, but it's consistent. There is no way that Joe Takam can win this fight. And that's going to come back to, again, my fake money real bets. And that's what we're going to next. Fake money. Real bets. Last week, I bet money on Charlo. And that fight was a push. It was a draw. It was a push. When I scored it, the first time I scored for Castano. Scored it the second time, scored it for Charlo. The draw was the right decision in that fight. This week, I'm going big on San Hagen. I'm betting 200K at minus 190. I'm currently at a one. Point seven million sixty four thousand. That would win me one hundred five k at minus one ninety for San Hagen, and then I'm gonna go big. I'm going huge on Joe Joyce because I know the odds of minus one thousand two hundred ninety nine are not great, and I know that me putting five hundred k to win only thirty eight k is not you know not a chance a lot of people would take, but there's a reason why these odds are so big. Right, and I think they could have been bigger. Honestly, I think a minus two thousand would have been reasonable in this fight because it's free money. Because they expect Joe Joyce to win this fight, and I expect Joe Joyce to win this fight. If I expect someone to win this fight, it's almost a sure thing. Well, everything you get on top of that is just free money. So five hundred k, I don't feel like it's a risk at all because I don't feel like it's at risk to losing it. I'm not at risk of losing it at all. So five hundred k to win thirty eight k. $500 to win $38. $5,000 to win $380. $5,000 to win $380. Is that right? Is that math correct? I don't think so. $500? No, it would be like $500 to win $3.80? Maybe something like that. Either way, five hundred k to win $38K. Remember, I'm just here to double your money. That's all I want to do at the end of the year. I'm looking, my investments are like long-term for a year, right? If anyone to say you were invested in something, they said, I'm going to double your money at the end of the year. You would say that's an amazing investment. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to double your money at the end of the year. These, I'm going in big on the Sanhagen, going in big on Joe Joyce. It's going to be a good week. Thanks for listening. This is the Ezra Podcast featuring Atticus.